folks, it's a, a new year, uh, which I am extremely, extremely excited about. And uh, I will tell you why I'm excited that it's a new year. First of all, uh, 2018 is over. And I don't know about you guys, but uh, 2018 in the Leonzo household was, it was a year that needed to end. And uh, I normally don't stay up for... Uh, you know, the whole New Year's, the ball drop and the clock turnover and all that kind of stuff. But I made sure I was awake so that 2018 would definitely leave. And uh, so I'm, I'm very, uh, very grateful to God for uh, New Year's and, and new beginnings. And uh, 2018, around November, things started to, to turn the corner for us. So uh, we're, we're excited about what God has got planned. I'm also uh, excited about what God has planned for, for our church family. Uh, I think this coming year uh, is going to be just a wonderful year. Uh, starting uh, Tuesday, our staff is going to be back to, to full strength with the addition of uh, Miss Victoria Rathmull. Uh, she is going to be our new associate director of uh, children's ministry, and uh, we're excited uh, for her to get started. She is a very young lady. She's going to bring a, a lot of new uh, energy uh, into the midst of our church family. So we're uh, extremely excited about that. And I, I believe the other thing that is happening is uh, our staff, there, there's a kind of a laser focus right now and uh, a unity that we haven't had uh, for, uh, for a long time. I mean, things were always good, but it is especially uh, pleasant around here right now. Uh, this whole construction process, while it, it's been kind of a pain uh, for a lot of reasons, one of the things that it does is it, it forces us to work really good together because uh, every week this entire place has to get set back up and, and well, tore down and then set back up. So all this equipment uh, on Thursday, the whole staff gets together. We put all the equipment out. We've got some volunteers that come on Friday and help put up the chairs. We have to put this stupid screen up every single week. We've got to get it balanced, make sure that it fills the whole screen and stuff like that. So uh, that is just, you know, while it's a lot of work, it's really brought us uh, together and you get to see people's different gifts, talents, and abilities. So I'm excited about that. And uh, Pastor Paul and I have been working on some things to continue to uh, you know, just celebrate the, the great diversity that God has brought to our church family ethnically and economically and educationally. And uh, so you're going to start seeing some changes over the course of the next several uh, months on, on uh, just kind of flow of the worship service. And uh, we're going to be incorporating other people praying and uh, praying uh, in, in other languages and things like that. So it's just uh, it's an exciting, exciting time to be uh, a part of our church family. And I thought that it would be good to let you know uh, kind of where we're going this year as far as, uh, uh, you know, preaching and themes and things like that. And so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take uh, the first four weeks of uh, 2019, uh, beginning today, and uh, we're going to spend some time uh, talking about sacrifice and what does sacrifice look like and, and how is sacrifice motivated. Uh, a lot of times, you know, you just kind of come and you say, hey, well, the Bible tells you you're supposed to sacrifice. But what's really the reason behind that sacrifice, and, and why should we do that? And so uh, that's what we're going to be spending uh, our time on over the course of the next four weeks. Uh, after that, we're going to uh, jump into just a real short three-week uh, message series on uh, the basics of the gospel. We're going to uh, spend a, a week talking about uh, creation and the fall. The following week, we're going to talk about 
uh, redemption and restoration. And then the third week, uh, we're going to spend some time talking about how do you take this incredibly uh, wonderful news that we have here of uh, what Jesus Christ has done, and how do we communicate that uh, in, a, in a way that is uh, uh, natural, I guess would be the best term, where you're trying not to force it and things like that. How do you communicate that good news uh, to your loved ones and to your neighbors and your coworkers and things like that? Uh, and then finally, uh, once we get on the other side of uh, Easter, uh, what we will be doing is we're going to take a journey through the last half of the book of Genesis. Uh, a few years ago, we did the first uh, half of the book of Genesis. Well, actually, from Genesis chapter 12 uh, to 24, we talked about the life of Abraham, and uh, we made it all the way up to Abraham's death. And now we're going to talk about uh, his, his kids and uh, his kids' kids and his kids' kids' kids or whatever that is. And uh, we're going to see how... Uh, incredibly faithful they are and how incredibly messed up they are. And so hopefully uh, we'll be able to learn uh, to fall in love more and more uh, with God by going through that. So uh, that's the game plan. Let me pray for a moment and, uh, and then we're going to uh, dive into Philippians. So uh, precious Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we come before you uh, this morning as a church family. And Lord, we look forward with great anticipation to this new year. Uh, Father, we recognize that you are uh, at work in our midst in lots of different ways. Uh, Father, there are those who are here today whose lives are going swimmingly. They are so incredibly happy. Things couldn't be going better. And uh, Lord, we rejoice with them. And uh, we thank you that you have, uh, in your providence, you have uh, provided them uh, a pleasant life right now. And uh, we pray, Heavenly Father, for those who, whose life is going really well, that, that, Lord, they would recognize that that goodness is coming from you. And, Lord, that they would also recognize that, that we live in a very temporal world uh, where things can go off the rails very, very quickly. And, uh, Lord, there are some in this place right now where that is what's happened. Uh, Lord, things have gone off the rails. Relationships have failed. People have passed away. Uh, Lord, jobs have been lost, money has been tight, uh, kids have been losing their minds, and uh, Father, I pray that you would encourage them this day. Uh, Lord, that they would, they would know that you are, or they are with God's people, and Lord, that your spirit's here. Uh, Lord, that you, uh, in your grace, you take every situation, uh, and, and Lord, you work things together uh, so that ultimately they are for our best interest, even though uh, for the present and, and maybe for the foreseeable future, Lord, it's painful. Uh, but you are at work uh, redeeming and restoring, and I pray that you would encourage them in that way. Uh, Lord, would you be with us today and uh, through the next three weeks as we talk about uh, what it looks like uh, to live a life of sacrifice? Uh, Lord, would you help me to be able to uh, communicate in a way uh, that brings glory to you and that uh, touches the hearts of those who are in this room. And it's through your son's name we pray, amen. Uh, if you're over here on my right, I am so sorry. The lights don't work over there. So uh, I go to Dr. Morrison. He's my eye doctor. Well, he actually passed away, but Dr. Regal's my eye doctor. And uh, I get a, you know, a bonus for every person who goes there. So we're going to just keep you in the dark for a couple weeks. 
and uh, you can go see Dr. Regal then. But uh, that'll be squared away in another, another couple weeks. So sorry that you're over there in the dark section. Uh, but if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and uh, open it up to Philippians chapter uh, 1. We're going to spend some time today in verses 12 uh, through 30. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles on the tables around the room. Please feel free to get up and uh, to, to grab one. We would love for you to have one. And uh, if you're able to uh, stand, if you would do so in honor of God's word, please. <clears throat> Philippians uh, chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by my life or by my death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall, choo yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all, for your progress and your joy in the faith, so that in me you may, be, may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents." This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that I saw, uh, that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Now, over, over the course of the next four weeks, as we focus on, on the issue of sacrifice, I, I thought that it would be helpful, uh, in the beginning at least, uh, to define uh, what sacrifice actually is before we talk about how it should play out in our lives. And uh, we see this uh, concept of sacrifice uh, playing out throughout the pages of Scripture. Uh, in the Old Testament, it kind of plays out in one way. The New Testament, there's a, a little nuance to it. Uh, but in the Old Testament, the, the Hebrew word that is translated sacrifice, it, it literally means slaughter. 
And it was rooted in the Jewish system of killing animals as, as an atonement or a, a payment for sin. And because a, a sacrifice involved death, uh, that which was sacrificed could never ever be reclaimed. And so throughout the pages of the Old Testament, that's where you, they talk about sacrifices, and it typically is we're killing an animal to make a payment for someone's sins. But uh, in the book of Psalms, uh, specifically in Psalm 51, there, there's a, an interesting twist that gets put on this whole issue of sacrifice. It, it uh, gets put in a, a more personal level, and this is what it says. Uh, for you, when speaking to God, will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. So he's saying, you know, God, I, I realize there's something more important to you than, than the slaying of a lamb. There's something more important to you uh, than the, the burning of a dove. And he says this, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. And so here we see that as, as fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, we're, we're to live lives that, that are laid bare before God, hearts that are soft and, and hearts that are completely devoted to God, lives that are not filled with, with, with pride and ego, but rather hearts that, that are humble and hearts that are, are filled with, with confession and kindness and, and goodness. Now, now, when you move to the New Testament, the the Greek word that's used for sacrifice in the New Testament gets a, even a, a little heavier than the Hebrew word that was used in the Old Testament, where the Hebrew word uh, would mean literally slaughter. The, the New Testament word kind of takes it to a completely different level of this whole idea of incineration, as in completely and utterly destroyed. And in the Gospels, uh, Jesus speaks of, of his coming sacrifice, that he is going to, to be destroyed uh, by, the, by the Jewish leaders and, and the Roman authorities. And then when you move your way into the balance of the New Testament, into the epistles, sacrifice becomes the thing uh, that we do to demonstrate that, that we love God far more than we love the things of the world. And it includes things like uh, fasting and serving and giving and, and relinquishing the, the right to uh, punish someone who has hurt you. And the list goes on and on and on. And in the end, ultimately, sacrifice is an extremely, extremely costly thing. And it's a reminder that the Christian life isn't to be one of self-focused comfort and ease and abundance. That's what our world will tell us. That's what a, a lot of, of faith systems out there, including some Christian faith systems, which have kind of veered off the track, will tell you that, that a, a sign of God's blessing is, is abundance. And, and, you know, if you have enough faith that God's going to provide things for you, which is, this is all completely contrary to the, to the teachings of, of the New Testament, which basically says that, you know, that a Christian life is to be one that, that is other-focused, is to be one that is filled with sacrifice and generosity and humility and love. And uh, what we will learn here uh, today is sacrifice is, is a fruit. It's something that gets born from something else. 
It's not something that we simply decide to do one day. We don't wake up one day and just say, you know, hey, I'm going to quit using all of my money on myself. And I'm going to take a portion of my cash and, and I'm going to, to be generous to other people. We don't typically wake up in the morning and think that. Nor do we wake up in, in the morning and say to ourselves, you know what, I'm going to begin to put the needs of other people before myself. I think I'm going to volunteer my time to help others. I think I'm going to use my, my talents to advance the gospel. You see, that's not the way that sacrifice works. That's not where it comes from. It just doesn't pop up out of, of nowhere because it's not a decision that we make. Rather, it flows from a decision that we make. And that decision is something that is incredibly important in the life of Christian. And it's called surrender. Surrender is the root. It's the source. It's the thing that ultimately unleashes the sacrifice in our lives. And to surrender means to give up possession of or power over, to give up claim to, to, to give or yield, especially in favor of another. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus surrendered his will. He surrendered his rights, ultimately surrendered his life to the plan of God the Father. I'm going to steal a little bit of Pastor Ben's thunder for next week by taking you to Philippians 2. And look at what Philippians 2 says. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. There in verse 6, we see the surrender of the Son of God. What we know is that in the Trinity, you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And they are all fully God. And they are all fully equal. Yet, yet Jesus surrenders that, that, that equality with God the Father. And he, he surrenders that to him. He, be, he, he lessens himself. And because of, of his surrender to God the Father, Jesus is able to sacrifice for God's plan. And surrender always precedes sacrifice. Now let me give you an, an illustration of this. Uh, in 1997, uh, the Lord impressed it upon my heart that uh, I was supposed to quit my job in corporate America and I was supposed to go to seminary. And uh, you guys have, have, have heard much of this story uh, over the years. But you know, one of the things that had to happen in order for that to occur was that Kathy and I, we, we needed to learn what surrender really looked like. Because we had a lot of gods in our lives. Uh, I had the, the, the God of retirement in my life. Even though I was only 32 years old back then, uh, you know, I, I had a plan already worked out that when I hit 55, which is at the end of this year, that I was going to be done working. Uh, we, we had uh, 
lined up our savings. We were going to have the house paid off in, in 2006. I mean, I had this entire plan laid out. And the reality was uh, comfort was one of my gods. Uh, I had a, a position of, of a lot of power at work and uh, uh, a lot of prestige at work, and I really liked that. I, I really liked being, uh, you know, the product manager who had the number one products in our division. I liked carrying our division. I, li- I liked it that, you know, my P&L was coming in with an operating income of like, you know, 18%, and, and my coworkers' P&Ls were somewhere lower than that. Uh, that was my God. Uh, I, I, I had the, the, the God of a, of a big home. We, we loved that big home. And we had to come to the point of, of surrender before we ever got to the point of sacrifice. We had to come to the point to say, you know what, God? We're going to do whatever you want us to do. Whatever it looks like, that's what we're going to do. And I'll tell you, that was, that was 90% of the battle. Okay, the, the, the quitting the job... It was hard, but, but it wasn't that hard. Not nearly as hard as the surrender part was. The, the, the selling our house, and, and, and you know, that was nice and big and lots of bedrooms and all that kind of stuff, and moving into a, a 1924 little uh, bungalow that needed new electricity and new plumbing and, uh, you know, had all kinds of little quirks and things like that. Uh, you know, that, that, was, that was hard, but it wasn't nearly as hard as the idea of surrendering. And, uh, you know, Kathy working a part-time job to, to keep us afloat and, and me working a part-time job while I was going to school uh, full-time was, yeah, that was hard, but it wasn't nearly as hard as the surrender. And, and, and so what happens is, in order to sacrifice all of those other things, I first had to, I had to surrender my will to God's will and say, God, do what you want. And, and folks, that's a, in a lot of ways, that's almost a daily process because we just keep wanting to take stuff back. We keep wanting to be in control because a lot of times when we surrender, God takes us places we don't want to go and has things happen in our lives that we really don't want to have happen. And, and, and so what happens is it, it, we have to, to surrender. And you know what surrender brings us? And this isn't from me. This is from my wife last night. Because I came home last night. And Kathy says, you know, I enjoyed the message, but you missed a couple things. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. And she says, you know what, Mike? She said, you need to tell folks that in the midst of surrender is always freedom. Freedom comes in surrender. Because all of those things that we're unwilling to surrender, they ultimately are the things that hold us captive. And so there's great freedom that comes with that. And, and we found that. When we, when we made, it took me through, from the point where I, I sensed that God was like, and it was very sudden in my life, when I sensed that I was supposed to, to, to go to seminary, from, the, from that point to where we began to pull the trigger was about three weeks. It took me three weeks to finally say, all right, God, I'm willing to do this, all right? It took Kathy about three milliseconds, all right? Because she, she, was, she was a whole lot farther down the, the spiritual trail than I was in those days. But there was great freedom that came with that. 
Now look at what happens. If you look again at verse 6, uh, what you will see is that once dis- Jesus decides not to pursue equality with God, once he decides to surrender, he's then in the position to what? Humble himself and become obedient by ultimately going to the cross. He's now then in the position to do the sacrifice. And one of the things that you have to remember about sacrifice is sacrifice always requires courage. Although surrender precedes it and surrender makes it easier, it always demands courage. And I want to show you how this courage played out in the life of the Apostle Paul. There's a, just a couple very short points, uh, probably take about 10 or 12 minutes or something like that. But if you look at the, the life of the Apostle Paul, when he's writing this letter to the church in Philippi, he's in jail. He's in jail in Rome. He's been there for two years. He's very close to the end of his life. He's going to, to actually die there in Rome. And initially, uh, when he went to prison, it's like most people when they go to prison, their friends show up in the beginning. Okay, but you stay in prison long enough, your friends start, start fading away. And that's really what, what happens with the Apostle Paul. In the beginning, he's in jail, he's in Rome, he's taking guests and visitors and things are going well, but now he's two years into it and it seems like everybody has dumped him. As a matter of fact, uh, not only had most of the people dumped them, but most of the people were convinced that he was not coming out of this thing alive. And, and so the, the pastors that, that he had, had trained up who had become jealous of, of you know, Paul, I mean, hey, this guy's you know, writing letters and he's really kind of the, the point man of the gospel. Uh, you know, pastors become jealous of one another. Uh, they began to, to preach things not out of love for God, but ultimately to, to kind of make themselves look better than Paul. And, and so given these circumstances, it would be uh, natural for Paul to be frustrated and to be angry. And to not only be angry with the people, but be angry with God. Like, God, I did all this stuff. Here I am in jail. And, 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 and this is terrible. I hate, I hate my life. I hate everything about my life. But that's not where Paul's at. He, he's fearless because he knows that, that his, uh, his whole, this whole submission, the submitting, surrendering to God that he has done is bringing him freedom even though he's in bondage physically. And what we see here is the courage to sacrifice flows, point number one, is that the courage to sacrifice flows from the conviction that my circumstances, no matter how hard they are, are moving people to the gospel. That's verses 12 and 13. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. So what is Paul saying there? He's saying, you know the beauty of me being in prison right now is all of these guards and all of these prison administrators and all of the custodians, if there were custodians in the prisons back then, which there probably weren't, all of these people who would have never been exposed to the gospel are getting exposed to the gospel because I am here. You see, 
the courage to sacrifice will flow from a conviction that regardless of my circumstances, God is going to use them to bring glory to him, to bring the gospel. And you know, if you weren't working in that job that is so difficult right now, the job where you're the only person who's the Christian, there would be no gospel witness in your place of employment. And you know, if you weren't in uh, that neighborhood that's really difficult, where you really don't have a whole lot of friends and where, you know, the, the neighbor lady's dog is doing his business in your yard and not cleaning up and stuff like that. If you weren't there, there wouldn't be any gospel witness. If you weren't dealing with that disease that you're dealing with, that's putting you in, in intimate contact with those other people who are, are taking chemo in that room, there would be no other gospel witness. I mean, as hard as our circumstances are, we're always reminded that, 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 that if God has put me in this place, I'm to be the witness for his gospel. And folks, that should bring us courage. That, that should allow us to be be bold in the proclamation of the gospel, knowing that, that we're not there by chance. God, God, did, you know, God didn't just like say, oh, wow, I didn't know that you had cancer. He didn't, that didn't take him by surprise. He's using, he's got a plan. And that plan is ultimately for his glory. And, and that's what makes suffering bearable. Because if, if our suffering wasn't for something, it would be horrific. But if our suffering is, is designed so that God might ultimately be glorified, there's purpose and meaning to that. Now, there's a second thing that flows from this, and it's in verse 14, and this is what it says. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the world, word without fear. See, the courage to sacrifice, it comes from the knowledge that other Christians are being emboldened by what you're, what's happening to you. They're, they're saying to themselves, oh my goodness, if they do that, I can do that. I mean, think about that. Courage inspires courage. I mean, any of you who have served in the military, you know that's how it works in the battlefield. I mean, you're, you're, you're pinned down. It's like, this is not good. You know, we need to get out of Dodge. And, and then somebody says, you know what? We're going forward. And, and they go, and all of a sudden, everybody else follows them. I have a friend who uh, was a, a lieutenant in the Harrisburg Police Department. His, his name's Sheldon, and, and Sheldon's uh, retired now. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's actually a pastor and. Uh, this was, was years ago, probably 15, 20 years ago, probably 20 years ago. And uh, Sheldon and I had been serving on a, an elder board together, and uh, we, we, were, we were at a meeting or something. He said, you'll never guess what happened to me today. And, and I'm like, you know, what happened? He goes, well, I almost died today. And I'm like, you almost died today. What happened? And, and uh, he uh, was out on the street, and, you know, his police car was parked. And then, then there was a rookie police officer who had just gotten out of the Marine car 
Corps Marine car, Marine Corps, who was parked right beside him. You know how the police officers do that? Their cars focus different directions and they can talk to one another while passing donuts and coffee back and forward to one another. <laughs> so they're sitting there and they're in the city and they're chatting and they're talking and a lady comes running up to them and says, a house is on fire, a house is on fire and there are people that are trapped on the second floor. And so, uh, you know, Sheldon, who's probably, I don't know, maybe 50 at the time or so, or 45 at the time or something like that, and this young guy who's right out of the Marine Corps, who's probably, you know, what, maybe 22 or something like that, they go to the, to the house. The entire house is on fire. And these people are like hanging out the second floor window, and uh, Sheldon's thinking to himself, I'm glad I'm not them, you know? And the Marine looks at him and says, All right, so I think Sheldon was a sergeant at the time. Are you ready to go, sergeant? I'm ready to go. And in he goes. And Sheldon's like, I just followed him. And, you know, they, they crawled up through on their hands and knees up the stairs and the fire's like billowing up, you know, above the stairs. They go into this house and they drag these two people out. You know, see, courage inspires courage. And that's what happens to us. Uh, other people will be emboldened when, when, when we take risks and, and when we have the, the courage to sacrifice. When, when all of a sudden we decide that, you know what, I'm not going to use all of my cash for myself. And we decide that we're going to be generous with other people. And, and our friends find out that we're doing that. That inspires generosity. When, when, when one day, you know, you, you say, hey, I'm going to, you know, there, there have been so many appeals to, to work in the nursery. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and, and I'm going to serve in the nursery. I'm going to sacrifice some of my time to be able to serve in the nursery. The, your friends who've been hanging out with you who are wondering, you know, why aren't you going out to lunch with them after the 9 o'clock service? And they find out you're serving in the nursery. That will inspire them uh, to serve. When, when, when you decide that you're going to go on to a missions trip to a, a, a faraway land and, and sacrifice a, a week of your vacation time, when you do that and other people see that, they're inspired by your courage. Next one, verses 15 to 18. The courage to sacrifice comes when we care more about the approval of God than we do about the approval of others. So here Paul comes along and he says, you know, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others do it out of goodwill. So here's a group of people that he's trained, that he's poured his life into, and there's some who are, who are preaching the gospel for the glory of God, and there are others who are preaching the gospel for their own gain, to make themselves look good, to make Paul look bad. And he goes, the latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. That's what those guys do. They do it out of love. He says, but the former, they proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Now, if that's me, I'm not liking these people. You know, my nature is like, these guys are bums. I don't like them. What then, he says, only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. He says, you know what? 
I really don't care what other people are doing. I don't care what they're saying about me. I don't care what their motives are. All I care about is that God is getting glorified. And some of you have been in that place. Some of you have had people who, who say horrific things about you. Who, who, who say, you know, you believe this or you believe that or she believes this or she believes that or she's done this or she's done that. And, you know, they're talking all kinds of smack about you and stuff like that. But they still love Jesus. Paul's like, you know what? I'm just not going to sweat those folks. I'm just going to press forward. I'm going to continue doing what God has called me to do. And I'm going to do it with courage. And I'm really just going to worry about the approval of God, not the approval of man. And many times... Uh, we're afraid to, to make that sacrifice because of what other people will think. Many times we don't take steps of faith because what mom and dad might say or what my coworkers or neighbors or siblings might think. Many times uh, in, in the classroom, if you're a student, you know, you're not bold for the gospel because you're worried about what other people are going to say, what other people are going to think. And Paul's like, you know what? I'm just going to be courageous. I don't care. I don't care what they say. I don't care what they think. I'm just going to press forward. And in the midst of it, if there are people who, who, who love Jesus and who are saying bad things about me, hey, as long as Jesus is getting proclaimed, I could care less what they do. Moving on to, to, the, to the next one, verses 19 to 26. He says this, yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by my life or death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which shall I choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of all this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and join the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. You see, the courage to sacrifice also comes, folks, from an understanding that earthly death is not the end. That you know what? If I take this step forward and I lose my life, man, I'm just losing my earthly life. On the night before the night before Christmas this year, our dear friend, Lane Parker, died suddenly. And, you know, for his family, huge tragedy. For Wayne... Man, like winning the lotto. I mean, he, he's in the presence of the Lord. Think about that. All, all, for, for his 69 years of life, or you know, subtract 21, I guess, from when he wasn't a Christian, whatever the math, 48 years of life, however that worked. I mean, that's the thing that he's been pursuing. And that was granted to him. If we would live in a manner that, you know what? Death is the goal? That's where, that, if that happens, 
It's a bonus? I mean, how different we, we would be. You, you know, and Elsie, I, I know you're here. I hope it's okay that I'm talking a little bit about Wayne. Uh, but, you know, if Wayne would have known that, that at 11 o'clock on the 23rd of December that he was going to be gone, he's already bold about his faith. You know how much more bold he would have been about his faith to all those people at Hershey? Man, he would have been dragging all those security guards together and say, let me tell you about what's about to happen to me and why I'm not afraid. Because he, he would have been going crazy excited. I, I mean, that's, that's, we need to live that way, you guys. We, we need to live like, like tomorrow isn't going to come. It gives us courage to do all kinds of things. If we know tomorrow's not going to come, we're going to have courage to go find that person who we've offended and ask their forgiveness. If we know that, that we have no tomorrow, we're, we're going, to, going to spend time with those who we really love, who we just keep putting off time and time and time again. You know, knowing that, that, that the end is, is where the beauty is, man, it gives us courage. It gives us great courage. We have nothing to lose. And here Paul's saying, he goes, I know that in the end, I, I would rather be with Jesus. But he says, you know what? You need me right now, and so I'll hang with you for a while. I mean, that is, that's just beautiful. He's willing to sacrifice all of this so that he can care for these people. And then finally, verses 27 to 30. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but catch this last part, you guys, but also suffer for his sake engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. You see, courage to sacrifice comes from the knowledge that suffering is part of the Christian experience, you guys. It just comes with the territory. Go through life trying to avoid suffering and you will never know something that's really great and that's called joy. Because sacrifice ultimately yields joy. That's what it yields. And when we come to understand that suffering is part of the game, not the game, part of the life, when we come to understand that, that we suffer, and it shouldn't surprise us because Jesus suffered, when we get that and we can glorify God in the midst of the suffering, there's nothing that will stop us. We will be bold in loving others and loving God. 
Because if it hurts, it's okay. I expected it to hurt. I mean, football players go out on the field, they expect things to hurt. Right? You go out there thinking it's not going to hurt, you're out of your mind. It's going to hurt. And that's the Christian experience. Suffering is part of the gig. And that's okay because suffering ultimately brought what? Life and forgiveness and restoration. And that's a beautiful thing. Let me pray for us. Uh, Lord God, thank you for this opportunity uh, that we could come together and share. And Father, I pray that over the course of the next several weeks as we uh, talk about these issues of sacrifice, that, that Lord, that you would help us to see sacrifice as a gift. Lord, as sacrifice is something that, that brings us uh, joy that we could never imagine. Uh, Lord, would you help us to understand uh, that, that when we sacrifice, Lord, we lose much, but we gain so much more. Lord, do that work in our lives. Do that work in the lives of my friends in this place. We love you, Lord, and uh, it's through your son's name we pray. Amen.